you so much for joining us this week at Zion City Church with teachings from Pastor Andrew Rael. We believe that God still speaks through His Word and His people. So right now, lean in and listen to the Holy Spirit. We hope that this message encourages you, inspires you, and brings you into a deeper love and worship of Jesus. Thanks for listening, and thanks for being a part of Zion City Church. Good morning. Happy Easter. Glad to see all of you here this morning. Glad to be able to spend this time with you guys as we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus this morning. There are certain stories that leave unresolved. There are certain movies that we watch that kind of leave you hanging. Now, typically, I like these kind of movies because they seem more real to me, right? My wife is a much bigger fan of the happily ever afters, you know, the Hallmark movies, the Netflix Christmas movies or whatever, right? Where it's like the couple is torn apart, but somehow love finds a way, you know, and they come back together again. And I'm more of the fan of like the La La Land version where like the the dream couple doesn't end up together and you're like, yes, right? It's a little bit more real, something wrong with my heart, pray for me. But there's one type of movie I think you shouldn't be able to touch, and that's superhero movies, right? That is the one type of movie where the hero has to come back and win, whether it's like Rocky kind of a sports movie or if it's like superheroes movies. Now, three years ago, around this time, um, I'm a Marvel fan, Avengers released Infinity War. And so I'm just a classic. I want to see Hulk and all these dudes just fight and go crazy. I want to see those kind of things. And so we show up at this theater and watch, watch Infinity War, and we're seeing these forces of good finally come against this enemy named Thanos, right? And if you haven't seen the film, it's three years. They've released sequels. This is on you at this point. There's spoilers that are coming. If you don't want to hear, plug your ears, right? But in Infinity War, at the climax of the film, as, as these forces of good are fighting these forces of evil, evil prevails, Evil ultimately overcomes these superheroes, these forces of good. And all of a sudden, our beloved characters, some of our favorites, begin to vanish away, literally turning into dust. And so you've seen these beloved characters, Spider-Man and Black Panther and people of the likes, just vanishing away before your eyes. And before you know it, the credits begin to roll. And the theater is silent right? All you can hear is the sniffles and the sobs because of people, you know, getting their heartstrings plugged on. And then the lights come on and the theater attendants come in ready to sweep up the popcorn and clean up the mess, you know. And everyone in the room is just paralyzed, like, what? This is not how it's supposed to end, you know. So they're hoping for the end credit scene to be something that, and it's even worse, more characters get vanished and dissipated, right? And so it's like bad gets worse. And when you're looking for this glimmer of hope, there's just not. And then the film ends. And I left there with just this angst of like, this can't be. So immediately you Google, when is the next one coming out? And it's like two years later. Two years? We got to wait two years to get this resolved? What's going to happen? And it just left this just somber feeling. I'll never forget the drive in the car of my wife. We were just quiet. We didn't really have anything to say. Normally, we're talking about the movies. The acting was good. The acting was bad. This, that, whatever. But the whole movie just silent. Like, what? Because there was this feeling within us that in other genres of movies, that's okay. But this genre of movie, it cannot end like this. This film should not be able to end in this way. The bad guy cannot win. The good guy was supposed to come around and prevail some way, somehow. 
The thing we love about the superhero movies is there's comfortability and assurance that evil doesn't get the last word. There was within each of us this understanding that death is not where the journey ends and evil ultimately does not get the final word. There's a longing for eternity within each of us. As acquainted as each of us are with death, we know that deep in our being, death was never meant to be a part of the story. And even speaking about death gets uncomfortable. As I brought up death now, the room kind of shifted. Like, oh, dude, it's Easter. Bummer, why are you talking about death, right? It's like, it's a good day, it's happy, it's finally warming up. We got barbecue plans later, right? But immediately as we bring up death, it is an uncomfortable conversation. Because for some people, what comes to mind is a lost loved one. Grief, pain, hurt. For others, when the topic of death comes up is immediately fear. We just want to change the conversation. Dude, that spooky, that stuff keeps me up at night. I do not want to think about that. And we have a few responses to this conversation around death. The first is to run, right? Anytime the conversation comes up, anytime the idea even is talked about, we shift the conversation. Or better yet, you know what we do? When we start contemplating the day of our death, instead we say, that's scary, I don't want to do that. And then we distract ourselves into oblivion to not think about that anymore. Just turn on the TV, scroll through Instagram, do whatever it is just to not think about death anymore. The next thing we try to do is we try to hide from death. A key telling of, of death is aging, right? As you age, you realize this means I'm getting closer to the day of my death. So as a, as a society, we've said no, right? We're going to try to run from that as long as humanly possible with plastic surgeries and Botox and hair dye, whatever we could possibly do to avoid aging and reminding ourselves of that reality that our life is temporary, and the last thing that we do is we acclimate. We try to just make death a part of life. And we really try to trivialize it and make it kind of beautiful and sappy. Like, it's the Lion King, the circle of life, right? It's just the way that it is. You come out of the ground, you go back into the ground, right? Kind of a thing. But death is not just an unwelcomed guest at a party that all of us are trying to deal with. It is a wrecking ball trying to destroy everything we love dearly. And deep within each of us, we know that death was not intended for our story. But here at the center of the story of Jesus is death. As Christians, we gather to proclaim and celebrate the reality that today Jesus rose from the dead. And it is easy as followers of Jesus for this miraculous reality to become common. You know, yeah, we know Jesus rose from the dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get it on with, right? It becomes commonplace. But think about how crazy of a claim that actually is. I want you to imagine you went to a funeral. You show up and they said, oh, actually the funeral is canceled. Why? What happened? Oh, yeah, he rose out of the coffin. How stark would you be? How stunned would you be? You'd think TMZ or Ashton Kutcher was there about to come out and say, punked, got you, because that doesn't happen in the real world, right? Now, we think that sometimes because when we read something in the Bible, that it's like overly spiritual and people there just knew. Resurrection was just as crazy then as it would be today. If somebody came back from the dead then, it was just as shocking as it would be today. They were not acclimated to those kind of crazy things just happening every now and again. And the purpose for this gathering is followers of Jesus to be reminded of the central claim to our faith that Jesus was not just a man. 
He wasn't just a teacher and he wasn't just a good role model that Jesus is God who came down, lived among us, died for us, and defeated death, Satan, sin, and hell. And with Jesus came his kingdom, which is now spreading through the world and taking claim all that the enemy has destroyed and restoring it. And that he will come again and establish his reign fully here and making all things new. And for us this morning, here is my prayer. I do not want today to be another Easter service for you, where you come, you get reminded, you sing some song, you clap your hands, you go home, you have a barbecue. Today, I want this to be an encounter, a fresh encounter with the risen Lord because he is alive. I want you to encounter the one that we are talking about here this morning, not just hear stories about him. I don't want the resurrection to be something that we just speak about this morning, but something we experience. And for us to do so, we must place ourselves within the story. So Luke 24, here's what's going on. Jesus has been crucified, killed, murdered by Roman crucifixion and is buried in a tomb provided by Joseph from Arimathea. Now I want you to imagine, I want you to put your Bible shoes on, you step into the story. You're alive in Jesus' time. You hear these teachings about Jesus and you decide that you want to follow him. You want to give your life and follow after his teachings and follow his way. And things are going good. You know, we're sticking it to the man. You know, these religious oppressive systems that have come and oppressed people for far too long, those really religious pious guys who have, you know, really pushed a lot of people away from faith. Jesus is sticking it to them. So you're like, boom, yeah, right? Jesus is sticking it to the man in the Roman Empire. He's subverting this Roman rule, this oppressive system that's been enslaving people and conquering lands. Jesus is saying to them, you don't have power, boom. And with that, all kinds of good is being done. Jesus is healing the sick. He's feeding the hungry. He's cleansing the leper. He's raising people from the dead, you know? This is going great. The ball is starting to roll. We're really starting to make some momentum. And suddenly, Jesus is arrested. Just as we're gaining momentum, just as things are going good, Jesus is arrested and is murdered and is killed. And suddenly, all that we were building, all that we were working for is up in smoke, gone. What happens when the story did not go as planned? You see, all the disciples during this time were distraught, were stricken with despair because the one in whom they put their life to trust and follow, it crumbled, fell apart, and they left with one question, what do we do now? Is this it? Is this how the story ends? Is this, I mean, we were doing this good, we were making this way, and then, of course, like always, evil prevails. Evil comes in and destroys something beautiful, something good. Some of you have come in today and this is your story. The company has laid you off. The relationship has ended. The sickness did not go away. It did not go according to plan. All that you were hoping for, all that you were banking on has suddenly slipped away in just a moment. There is something in us that tells us as optimistic as we try to be and as good as things can be at times, this life is not as good as it can get. There is never a time in which death seems to be an appropriate answer to something. Even if somebody has lived a long and well-lived life, gone into old age, there's still a sense, especially among their loved ones, that they were gone way too soon. There is something about death we realize this is not natural. 
the ache, the pain, the grief that comes along with it, we realize this was not what we were made for. The disciples feeling that same feeling. How could death win? How could this possibly happen? So what the disciples did is they did what they know what to do, which is finish the burial. They didn't know what was next. They didn't know what was beyond that, but they knew we have to finish burying Jesus. And the men disciples were just too distraught, too worried. So the women in faith stepped up and said, we will go take care of his burial arrangements. And so they show up to the tomb. They come with their spices, ready to complete uh, the burial process for Jesus. For each of us, when we find ourselves that the story does not go as planned, when things don't work out, that's often what we lean to next, is what is the next best thing for us to do. And some of you, that brought you in here this morning. You wanted to come encounter Jesus for yourself. You wanted to come and see him for yourself. You was, I don't know about how to handle these complex, difficult situations in my life, but today's Easter, and I know if God can be found, he can be found on Easter, so I come into the church, right? You're looking for hope. You're looking for peace. You're looking for answers, but what you're actually looking for is Jesus himself. And so some of you come weary because you've been searching for some time. But maybe the answer is that you've just been looking in the wrong place. Verse 3 says this, But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed in lightning stood beside them. In their fright, their women bowed with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? And I think this is a mantra for our culture right now, that we are looking for the living among the dead. Many look for Jesus in religion, that if I just do the right things, if I just check the right things off the box, if I just go to church, if I give a little bit, if I'm a little bit helpful, then maybe one day I'll find him. Some people look for Jesus in pleasure, not knowing that they're looking for Jesus, but they go and look and try to satisfy themselves in any way they possibly can, whether it's chasing a good career or chasing uh, the next high or a good buzz or whatever it is. We're looking for Jesus in pleasure, not knowing it's him that we're actually looking for. And there's a longing within each of us that only the presence of God can fill because it is what we were made for. And our culture right now is aching for restoration. It feels the weight of injustice, division, illness, and brokenness. And what we do not need more of is more dead answers, but what we need more of is the living Savior. We don't need more human systems. We don't need more politicians. We don't need more technological advancements. We need the resurrected Christ to show up and to do what only he can do. Brothers and sisters, many of you have been searching but have not found, found because you've been looking in the wrong place. Why are we looking for the living among the dead? Why are we chasing after the one who is alive and we're looking for him in the graveyard? They conclude by saying, verse 6, he is not here, he has risen. As you place yourself in that story, you suddenly realize that Jesus has done something unthinkable, unimaginable, and that he has defeated death. 
Death is something that none of us can defeat. None of us can defeat. It is the one thing that all of us must face one day, but it is the very thing that Jesus conquers. The story of Easter is this, that even death is not the end of the story. That when God gets involved, even the grave has no hold. Even if the worst thing could possibly happen, even death, it is not the final word. When God gets involved, the end of the story is not the end of the story. And here is the claim of the resurrection. The resurrection is this, as God is in the process of, of putting death in reverse. I have titled today's sermon, Death in Reverse, because resurrection doesn't mean just coming to life. It means undoing death. It doesn't mean just life coming out of nothing, but actually something that was dead and decaying, reversing back and becoming something that is life. It is reclaimed back for God. It is reclaimed life. And when you meet Jesus, he gives you his life. His life becomes yours. And the process of resurrection begins in you. You wake up to a whole new reality. Here is what the resurrection means, brothers and sisters. First and foremost, it means freedom. Because Jesus rose from the grave, you were no longer in bondage to sin. There are a lot of things we try to do to undo shame and guilt and regret about the things that we have done. And if Jesus did not rise, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, we are still trapped in our sins. But that he did rise means we have been set free. That with God you have been offered forgiveness of sins, a clean slate with him. That in Jesus' atoning sacrifice, you have been set free from the very things that bring you shame. And here today, you can leave with a fresh start. New beginnings with God and new life in Him. You have been set free from the bondage of sin and shame. Resurrection secondly means victory. That God has defeated death. That Paul says, death has lost its sting. Hell has lost its hold. Sin has lost its strength because he has overcome. Because Jesus has rose from the grave means his victory over his enemies. Death being the, the greatest enemy for us. He has conquered his enemies. And when Jesus rose from the grave, he left death in his grave. Meaning for us followers of Jesus, though we still face, face death, it has lost its sting because Jesus promises resurrection. Paul says that Jesus is the first fruits of resurrection, meaning he was the first to rise, but we too shall rise. Jesus says, because I live, you also will live. This promise that because Jesus is alive, we have life. And the very thing that brings fear into our heart, the very thing we try to run from, is the very thing that Jesus has saved us from, the sting of death, the finality of death. And lastly, resurrection means hope. When Jesus steps into the scene, he brings a whole new reality. Today, you could have lived your life mistake after mistake, slip up after slip up, moment after moment of regret, but today... God can step into your story and change absolutely everything. As long as you are not dead, God is not done with you yet. There is still a great work to be done in your life. And God wants to begin the process of resurrection in you today by undoing the very things the world has destroyed and broken and shattered and create new life radiating out of you. And lastly, the resurrection means life. 
Philip Yancey says this, In many respects, I would find an unresurrected Jesus easier to accept. Easter makes him dangerous. Because of Easter, I have to listen to his extravagant claims and can no longer pick and choose from his sayings. Moreover, Easter means he must be loose out there somewhere. Like his disciples, I never know where Jesus might turn up, how he might speak to me, and what he might ask of me. And a resurrected Jesus means that Jesus is alive and well and on the loose. And I love that idea of on the loose. It's like something dangerous out there that is just out running rampant and you'll never know when he will show up. This is exactly what happens after the resurrection. Look down further at Luke 24, starting in verse 30. There's two disciples who were in the city of Jerusalem um, following Jesus. And then when Jesus was killed... Um, were distraught like the rest of them. And so they begin to make their way back home, defeated, distraught about what just took place. And, verse, uh, and so as they're, as they're walking on the road, Jesus comes alongside with them. And they're talking about Jesus. They're talking about the fact that he's dead. What are we going to do now? What are we, what are we put our hopes in this guy? We have nothing to do. And so Jesus, resurrected, comes up next to them and says, what are you guys talking about? And so they respond to him and say, dude, are you living under a rock? Like, have you been the only person in all of Jerusalem who doesn't know what's going on? It's like, Jesus, man, he was just killed. Like, did you not get the memo? Did you not see the, twi the Twitter? It was trending, you know? What are you doing here, man? And Jesus is like, well, tell me about him. And so they start telling him, man, he was this teacher, and he came, and he proclaimed this message that God's kingdom was coming, and that he was going to set people free, and now he's gone, and we don't know what to do. And Jesus begins to explain to them through the scriptures how his death and resurrection was a fulfillment of those very things. And verse 30 says this, is that as they finish that kind of teaching, they come to a table with Jesus. It says, when he was at the table with them, he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked to us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They had this understanding, this burning in their hearts as they're speaking with Jesus, that we think this is Jesus, but they were wrestling with doubt and uncertainty. But it wasn't until Jesus broke the bread, partook, in, partook with communion with him, that they realized this is our Lord. And the second they realized it, he's gone. And so immediately after that, they get up and they race back to Jerusalem and they found the 11 and those who were with them assembled together. And they said, it's true. The Lord has risen and appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened to them on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when they broke the bread. So we have this encounter with Jesus that after his resurrection, he just shows up to these two guys walking. And he meets with them and he explains who he is, what he came to do, and their hearts burned within them. And I believe this is the opportunity today, here on Easter, is to really examine our lives, is to really examine whether it is we are really truly following the resurrected Lord or something else. I want to challenge you here now and ask a simple question. It's this, is do you know him? For some of you right now, as the scriptures are being proclaimed, your heart is burning within you thinking, I must see about this Jesus. You may have gone to church your whole life. You may know the story like the back of your hand, but you need a fresh encounter with the risen Lord. He's speaking to you now, saying, after all, these th after all this year, this really hard time, I've been drawing you into myself, and this is my word being proclaimed to you now. 
that everything that you're afraid of, that everything you worry about, everything you don't have power and control over, I have overcome. And I have promised to give my life to you. And that if you put your trust in me, if you choose to follow me, then I promise to give you life. And not just life, but life to the full. And that doesn't mean you'll be, you won't have any problems or any issues. But when you face those problems, you will never be alone because he will be with you. And your life will no longer be centered around yourself or your career or whatever ambition it is that is in your heart, but it'll be centered around the presence of God. And for the first time in your life, you'll feel like you can breathe because you are living what you are meant to live in. It is in his presence. And this is an invitation from our risen Lord to come and see. Some of you have tried Jesus, meaning that you've tried to do the faith thing, but you didn't have an encounter with him. You didn't get to really meet him. You were just following the things that people did around you. And Jesus being alive means he's here. He's speaking. He's moving. And by way of his spirit, he's reaching out. And even here and now, God is reaching out to you, speaking to you through his word, saying, come, come and see, come and follow. We have been living for ourselves far too long. The only question I have to ask for you is how is it working out? Do you have more peace? Do you have more joy? Are you any more satisfied or fulfilled? Or is there still this longing within your being? Is this it? Is there something more? That no matter what stage of life you get to, it seems like the credits roll up on your life and you think, that was it? That was the best I got? was just a nice house and good cars and, you know, two kids. There needs to be something more, and what you're longing for is him. What you're searching for is him. What you're needing is an encounter with the risen Jesus, and resurrection means he's here now, moving, speaking, meeting with his people here on Easter morning. The only question is, what are you going to do with these claims? What are you going to do with the claims that Jesus is alive from the dead? You can't be haphazard about it. Maybe he did, maybe he did it, I don't know. You have to make a decision about what you're going to do about this resurrected man, Jesus. What are you going to do about this central claim that we all gather today that we believe this man rose from the dead and that he was God in the flesh? What will you do with that? I'm going to ask the worship team to come up and we're going to close now and worship. And I want to leave you with that question. What will you do with this resurrected man? What God is wanting to do in your life is to undo the very things that evil and death have destroyed and decayed. And he's wanting to give you new life. The evidence of the resurrected Lord is how many people have encountered him have really met with Jesus and left changed forever. Drug addicts never picking up another drug again. Selfish, self-indulgent people becoming selfless, loving, kind people. Seeing people change from one way to another is all evidence of God moving in their life. And so brothers and sisters, I want to ask you, to consider today the resurrected Lord. And for this not to just be business as usual, but to uh, regain again our wonder at the reality that he is alive. For us to stop looking for the living among the dead, but for us to seek out Jesus ourselves and seek a fresh encounter with him. Your whole life was built for the presence of God.
And as we come now and as we enter into worship, I want to ask you to invite the Spirit of Jesus here in your life into this room. And I believe God has words he wants to speak. God has things he wants to do. God has assurance he wants to give. Peace, joy, love. He wants to give out into this room now. And I believe he wants to do this as we enter now into worship. So I'm going to ask you all to stand. And as we worship, I don't want it to be just singing a couple songs, but I want us to declare this reality, this truth with the whole of our being and let it become fresh to our eyes again. That we not become so familiar with the resurrection that it becomes commonplace, but that today the resurrection would be brand new again for the very first time. And we'd re-fall in love with Jesus over again. And we'd have hope and peace knowing that Jesus has conquered the grave. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for this morning, God. We thank you for this morning. To see all the new content coming from Zion City, follow us on Instagram or like us on Facebook. And to partner with us financially, visit our website at zioncitychurch.net.